Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends, we live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. you got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of the Yard. It is a beautiful day in Starkville, Mississippi. 
It's a little chilly out. That's cool. It's going to warm up a little bit later. Highs, I guess, in the low 80s. We woke up, had to turn the heater on this morning. It's nice and toasty in the house right now. But it's a beautiful day. And one of the main reasons it's beautiful is because the Bulldogs won again. Man, it feels so good to win. Difficult to really describe that. You get so emotionally invested in all of this, you hope for the best, you prepare for the worst, and uh, you look up at the midway point in the 2022 schedule, and your Bulldogs are 5-1, and one, and dare I say it should be 6-0. and oh. We're going to break down the game, as we always do here on the show. I am what I am. I do what I do. Before we get into all that, let me let you know if you haven't heard already, Mississippi State's game at Alabama will be a 6 p.m. kick there at Bryant-Denny Stadium. 6 p.m. kick, so a night game at Kentucky and then a night game at Alabama. Now, I've mentioned on this show before that uh, I'm a little worried that we play too many day games in Starkville, and maybe we do. And in the past, we would say, well, we can't expect to play anything better than 11 because we're not playing well. We don't have a good record. You'll kind of get what we get. Well, State's 5-1 and one now. A lot of interest in this team. A lot of maybe college media pundits out there, college football pundits that are now on the uh, Mike Leach bandwagon. It's taken us a couple years. But if you watch the SEC Network, you see people like, uh, you know, Doreen and others saying, you know what, this Mississippi State team is good. It's one of the things I've been saying all along. This team is good. We're going to prove it again this Saturday. Your Bulldogs should be 6-1 and one going to Tuscaloosa for that night game. This is a good football team, folks. And here's the thing. I don't know, and, and I'm going to say this, and it might actually hurt some feelings, and I'm okay with that. I don't know that we have a great wide receiver. What that's thinking for? I don't know if we do. I don't know if we have a great wide receiver. We've got a bunch of good ones, and we've got a couple that are really good at times, but I don't know that we have a great one. Now, of course, Caleb Ducking, an incredible season so far for him, seven touchdown catches. Got everybody around the SEC doing the duck. But he's not a 100-yard game per yards per game type guy. We don't, I don't know if we have what I would consider a game-breaking receiver. What we are winning with right now is scheme. What will this scheme look like when we do get those elite receivers? Those are the things I ask myself. Many of the receivers on this team were recruited to play in another offense. But what will this roster and depth chart look like, let's say, in two years when Steve Spurrier and Drew Hollingshead have all of their guys you know, Ra-Ra Thomas, that's a Steve Spurrier guy. A guy who was committed to South Carolina. We flipped him after the coaching change. Simeon Price, a young guy, too, is a running back. But he was another guy that we flipped kind of in that same little stretch. But the reality of it is this. I don't know if we have elite offensive skill. I think we have good offensive skill. I don't know that we have elite offensive skill. Many of you have discussed at times about, you know, Will Rogers has a ceiling. He has some limitations, and that's that's true. He does. But he just set the SEC record for completions in a career 
in almost half the games it took for Aaron Murray to set the previous record. And provided Will stays healthy, I think he's back for another year at least. So you're looking at a guy that's probably got, what, 19, 20 more starts to go? Is that right? You got six more in a regular season plus a ball game. 12 next year plus a ball game. He could set some records that could never be touched. Because how many four-year starters are there going to be? And, yes, he took over halfway through uh, 2020. But how many of those guys are you going to have? And if he comes back for 2024, Will Rogers' name may live forever in the SEC record books. Just think about the math on that. And, of course, uh, Will named the co-offensive player of the week by the Southeastern Conference today. Will Rogers having a huge year for Mississippi State. And what's crazy about it, you guys don't get a chance to, to talk to, um, to Will much. I mean, some of you know him. But, you know, you see the videos in the press conference. But, you know, there are times I get a chance to talk to him after a ball game or kind of off the cuff. And Will is always talking about – it's never about, hey, we had 450 yards passing and five touchdowns. Will's thinking, you know what, man, we should have scored again. I missed this throw. We had the wrong read here. Didn't pick up this stunt. You know, he's always focused on getting better. Like, you don't see him out here saying, hey, I've arrived. And it's genuine, too. That's the thing. It's like when you talk to him, you can kind of see the look in his face. He goes, yeah, we had a good game, but could have been a great game. And you look up, and we're just absolutely destroying people. And then your quarterback is thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Thanks. But I missed this throw, or I should have done this. You know, we can play better as a team. And, you know, that's what I want from the leadership of this team. You got to stay hungry. You can't just say, hey, listen, look at us. We're 5-1, and one, ranked number 16 in the country. Things are going great. We got an FCS game, so we know we're for sure going to go to a ball game this year. You know, that may be the old Mississippi State mentality. Like last year, let's be honest about 2021, we knew that we were going to be chasing the season. We knew it. We were like, hey, we're going to have to work hard to get bowl eligible. We dropped that game against Memphis, and we're thinking, you know what, we got no margin for error. We got to figure it out. I was still somewhat optimistic we'd make it to six. We ultimately didn't make it to seven because we went on the road at AM. But the reality of it is, is that uh, this team has kind of grown up before our eyes. How good can they be? That kind of remains to be seen. But I think we feel good about the direction of things. And here's the thing, too. I want to say this, because I love each of you. There are some days you don't love me, and there are some people that don't listen to the show. Let's say I get a little bit too preachy, and that's okay, too. I am what I am. I do what I do. But... There are some fans, beginning of the year, that said, hey, I just don't expect a good year. I don't see the need in calling them out because at the end of the day, we all want the same things. Let's all just be happy with what we have and what we're doing rather than trying to get another one. Yeah, in your face. You know, listen, there are a lot of people, too, and I've got, I've got a friend in the media, and I won't say his name because <laughs> I don't want to embarrass him. Some of you know him. He worries more about Mississippi State sports and anybody I know. And I've got another friend out there that forecasts failure all the time, but he, he's actually kind of turned it around a little bit this year. But I got one friend in the media. It is even in the middle of a ball game, like we'll be up four touchdowns and we give up a big play. I don't understand. I don't understand. You know, it's all the time. But he has this coping mechanism, like he will always kind of uh, project negativity and project failure because I believe there is some type of euphoric release – 
when he's wrong. And, of course, if he's right, he can come back and say, see, I told you so. So it's like a win-win for him. Either Mississippi State wins or he wins, right? But I love him anyway, right? And so I think when we're having a season like this, let's just kind of wrap our arms around each other and let's just all just enjoy the ride rather than try to figure out who was right and who was wrong. Let's just enjoy the ride, man. This is what we all wanted, right? We wanted this team to do well. We're doing well. And then we're at the halfway point. We've got a lot of games left. Back end of the schedule's got a couple of uh, grizzly bears we got to kind of go contend with, too. But we wanted this to be a positive step forward. And I think, again, when you begin to break this thing down and begin to think about, okay, we should be able to get to eight wins, possibly nine. And if we get an upset somewhere, who knows what could happen? Could there be a 10-win record or season? I was very hesitant to kind of jump on that bad one. I had some people say, oh, we can do this. I'm thinking, you know what? What you're really saying is that we got to beat everybody other than Alabama and Georgia, and I just don't know if we can do that. One of the things I want to point out to you, too, before we get into the, uh, the breakdown of the show, I, I ran across this yesterday because I was curious. And I figure if I'm curious about stuff, chances you are, too, because, you know, we've kind of seen it all and done it all. And so scoring margin or, you know, average scoring for Mississippi State, incredible stuff here. Okay, so back in 2020, you know how anemic the offense was. And everybody said the air raid wasn't going to work. Now, granted, we're running the air raid with a bunch of young freshmen. You know, Jaden Wally and Woody Marks and Dylan Johnson and Will Rogers were all freshmen. They were the core of our offensive production that year. And everybody said, you know what? Year one, let's go ahead and, uh, you know, have the funeral. Air raid's not going to work in the SEC. We averaged 21.4 points per game in 2020. Well, next year, Will Rogers, of course, was the full-time starter. Had some guys around him getting better. Our scoring margin at that point, excuse me, our scoring average, 26.9 points. So we're up five and a half points. And you know what? As a result, we won some more games. Guys, we're averaging 38 points a game this year. So we've nearly doubled, nearly doubled what we were doing in year one. So my question to you now, is the air raid going to work in the SEC or not? Also of note, too, we touched on first quarter scoring last week. State again holds an opponent out of the end zone in the first quarter. Now it's a 66-7 first quarter scoring margin in favor of Mississippi State. The only touchdown we've allowed in the first quarter, the very first drive against Arizona, uh, Tyrus Wheat misses a tackle, and they gash us for that long run. That's the only points. In the first quarter, Mississippi State has allowed this year. Remember last year how we were always chasing the game? You know, we get down to Kentucky, we get down to Arkansas, we get down, we had to fight back and fight back and fight back, and it felt like it was all we could do. And then sometimes we'd kind of run out of gas late. You're getting off to good starts now, which tells me Mississippi State is well coached. Because it'd be one thing if it was just on one side of the football. Like, just offensively, hey, we're going out scoring our opening drives. And in six games now, Mississippi State has scored on five of their six opening drives, the one exception, Texas A&M. Arguably the best defense we played so far. We still won that game handily. But defensively, we've got it one touchdown in the first quarter through six games. Your Bulldogs are well prepared, and I will die on that hill. 
Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, speaking to people being well-prepared. They're always ready for you to show up. Always. Great food and a great price with a great atmosphere. Part of a great company that has fed people in the Golden Triangle for many, many years. They know what it takes to feed folks, and that's what I like, people with experience. When I want to go have a dining experience, I want to go somewhere that people know what they're doing. That's what you get at Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and the newest one, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by and tell them I said hello. Order the spring rolls as your appetizer. It'll make you and everybody around you better looking. It's now in writing on the menu. It's not a joke. And maybe get that chocolate shake to go. Take it with you. You, know, you, you need a palate cleanser anyway. Maybe get it to go. Maybe open up that table for that next family coming in to enjoy a great restaurant-quality hamburger. Be sure and go check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Now, I'm gonna, I said this in a post-game video. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. You can go find it over at jeanspage.com. Find it on YouTube, wherever you want. Uh, but here's the reality. Mississippi State has been better than Arkansas for a long time. You said, but Steve, we lost the last two. You're exactly correct. And it wasn't because of anything Arkansas did. It was about what we did or didn't do. You go back and look at last year's numbers, 2021. Will was over 400 yards passing and had four touchdowns. And we lost. Everybody's like, oh, well, Barry Odom is the kryptonite for Mike Leach. I mentioned this on jeanspage.com earlier today. Barry Odom didn't create anything. He just mimicked what Jimmy Lake did at Washington. Jimmy Lake was one of the first ones to really give Leach trouble consistently. But it's like now, so, oh, with the, you know, Arkansas and Barry Odom. Barry Odom did a good job last year against Mississippi State. State just couldn't make a field goal. Couldn't get a defensive stop late. Had nothing to do with Arkansas's defensive effort. Will Rogers threw for more yards against Arkansas last year in a loss than he did this year in a win. So can we please stop repeating this false narrative? Because it's over. It's over. All right, let's look at a ball game. It's always fun to do this, especially when we win, right? And it's the thing you start looking at this thing too. State is not just winning. State is winning big. We had that rough second half down in Baton Rouge. But outside of that, State has controlled every game from the outset and never really had any anxiety in the second half. Of course, State wins 49-23 over Memphis, 39-17 at Arizona, 45-14 against Bowling Green, 42-24 against A&M, now 40-17 against Arkansas. And honestly, I think State played better against A&M than we did against Arkansas, even though we had the bigger scoring margin. All right, let's get inside the numbers here. Break this game down. Try to provide some insight here to you guys, too. We knew they were going to drop eight because that's what they do. But that's what Jimmy Lake does or did. So that's what Barry Odom did. And Arkansas has not been great against a run anyway. We come out there and DJ gashes them for nine right up the middle. And this is one of those drives, too. And I guess maybe back up a little bit here. They kicked the ball out of bounds on the opening kick. We talk about being ready to play. Arkansas was not ready to play. And it was evident very early on. They kick the ball out of bounds. We get it at 35. And then DJ runs for nine. And then we get them off sides. Now, one of the things that I want to point out about this, too, is I, I have seen a lot of Arkansas social media commentary. And listen, I like Arkansas people. I do. 
I know some of their people on Twitter are real jerks, and they're not truly indicative of the rest of the fan base. They're not great ambassadors or representatives of Arkansas Razorback Athletics. I get it. We have some of those fans too, right? They take it too far on social media. Every fan base does. Arkansas baseball just has more than most. But they were talking about all the Quentin Sharps moving the football. Guys, let me tell you this. Until he gets set, until we get set, you know, everybody has to come set before the snap. He can move the football. You go back and watch. He wasn't moving the football after he came set. And that became a style. Guys, it's a 40-17 game. Okay, please. Well, that's five yards. Gives us a first down. Then we go right back to DJ. And you'll notice he's been getting the rock on the first drive. Woody on the second. And I like it. It keeps them both fresh. But I do think it's interesting that DJ goes first. All right, second and four, DJ again runs for seven. It's a first down. We're just going through them like a knife through butter here. Our first completion of the day goes to Caleb Ducking. Eight yards there. Pretty simple route concept. It's basically ran, you know, ran the slant. Eight yards. We go back to DJ for six, which makes it a uh, – that was on second and two. Gives us another first down. Moves the chains. First and ten. We go to Rufus right here. And uh, I don't know. I don't know that he was really open. Probably not the best selection here. They credit Hudson Clark with a breakup, but he really kind of came over the top. I I think the ball placement was off a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about that, too. A lot of people like talking about these almost interceptions. As I said on Bo Bowen's show today, the state of Mississippi never ratified the Hugh Kellenberger doctrine about almost interceptions. Either they picked it or they didn't. There are sometimes you throw balls into traffic and we expect your guy to make a play. More times than not, for us, they do. But sometimes Will's ball placement's been off a little bit. He'll tell you the same. But one of the things that makes Will great is sometimes Will can kind of ram it in there in a tight passing window. This just wasn't one of those cases. All right, brings up a second 10. Really, the first time we don't gain yardage here. And we hit Austin Williams, who made a spectacular diving catch inside the Arkansas five. Remember last week? Austin Williams and Jaden Wiley were just kind of, you know, absent, it seemed. Both of them made big plays for the Bulldogs this week. And I don't think that says anything about inconsistency. I think that speaks to the depth of the wide receiver room, that it can be a different guy every weekend. You can't go out there and say, okay, we've got to shut Austin Williams down and make somebody else beat us because we have so many guys that can beat you. Because, again, we have good offensive skill. Not elite, but good offensive skill. First and goal – uh, we go to Rara here, and uh, they flag him for being offsides. There's no play there. I thought Rara was going to pull it in, too. And, again, this is talking about those tight windows. Will makes a really good throw here. We just don't complete the play. All right, so it's first and goal now from the two. We give it to DJ up the middle for one, back to him on second one. It's a touchdown. And that's the way this drive should have ended. Really, Dylan Johnson kind of carrying the load on this, so he should have gotten the payday at the end. He does. Extra point is good, which proved to be quite the accomplishment again. And, I mean, I, I know all of you. I'm tired of talking about that. I know you guys are too. We should never have to sweat out an extra point. I mean, that is really getting frustrated. We make this one. Arkansas's first drive, and it is Cade Fortin getting the start here. And I really thought he looked extremely uncomfortable. Now, he's gonna, he hadn't played a whole lot, so you knew that he would not be, you know, the, maybe the, the picture – of pocket poise in this ball game, And you saw that pretty early on. Ty Weed in his face. He throws short to Trey Knox. Again, they've made Trey a tight end now. 
but yeah, basically a throwaway here. Second and 10, they give it to Rocket Sanders, who had a good game, not a great game. State needed to kind of, you know, maintain some things here with him. And to be fair, he didn't play much in the fourth quarter. He would have gone over the 100-yard mark. But uh, seven yards here on the first carry brings up a third and three. And, and we have bad linebacker play here. And I don't know who's responsible for this, but they basically just float Sanders out there in the flat, and we don't get out there and cover it. So they throw it out there to him, and he gets a first down. All right, first and 10, it's incomplete to Hazelwood, who had a pretty good ball game. And we knew that he was beat kind of the alpha among that wide receiver group. They had a couple guys make some plays, but Hazelwood's an impressive player. All right, second and 10, they give it to Rocket again up the right side for one yards, makes it a third and nine. And then this is when Zach Arnett said, you know what, this is it. We bring four here. We don't bring the house. We bring four. Ty Wheat comes in and gets frontside pressure. Him and Cam Young meet at the quarterback. Ty Wheat credited with the sack here, which makes it fourth and 18. And I think at this point, too, I think Arkansas people thought, you know what, we're in trouble here. We're in trouble because the air raid ran it right down our throats, and they come in here and just kind of throw us around on defense. And Will Rogers said, you know what, Arkansas fans, you're right, as he marches us right back down the field here on our second drive of the game. State takes over at their own 45 with 8.50 to go in the first quarter. This time it's the Woody Marks drive. And Woody having basically the same level of success that DJ did. He goes for five on first down, then seven on second down, which brings up a first down. We go right back to him on the right side, get seven more. Brings up second and three. Then we check it out there to Woody, and he gets two more. Brings up a very manageable third and one. We go for it, obviously. Give it to him. And it's we get the first down. They tack on the face mask penalty. Now, all of a sudden, we're inside the red zone here. And State has been absolute money in the red zone this year. That was the case again this week. First and ten from the Arkansas A team. Incomplete here. Drew Sanders, and everybody says, oh, well, they brought three the old day. No, they didn't. Here's Drew Sanders coming free here, kind of getting in Will's face. We're a little bit short uh, there to Scooby. Brings up second and 10. We, we nearly had this one picked, and everybody talked about this, and this had nothing to do with Will Rogers. We try to run the tunnel screen here to Justin Robinson. He lets it get inside, doesn't catch a ball with his hands, bounces off the shoulder pads, and Nichols, the big D tackle, nearly dives for a pick there. So, yes, it was almost picked, but it had nothing to do with Will Rogers. Third and 10, and we need to go make a play here, right? It's like, well, we don't want to have to attempt a field goal. Mike Leach agreed with us. Third and 10 here, we get it to Woody, and Woody really runs hard here and tries to spin through Chris Paul, and it kind of spins into the tackle. There was nothing else there. Great effort by Woody on the play to make it a fourth and three. Rather than kick it, we go for it. And we kind of caught them, and it seemed like maybe caught some of our linemen too. We, I don't know that we got a great initial push here. Q did, and Cole Smith did. But it seemed like the play was a little bit, the timing of it was a little bit off. But Woody just lowers his head, powers ahead for four yards to get the first down. Makes it a first and goal situation, the Arkansas seven. We go back to Woody for one. DJ comes in late, we get a yard there, and it's third and five. And then we hit Jaden Wiley. Now, this one here. Great job by everybody here. Will Rogers buys some time, rolls out to his left, buys time, buys time, lays it up for Jaden Wiley. Arkansas got nearly picks it. It was too tall for him, though. And this isn't a thing that I'll remind you. Just because a defender touches a football doesn't mean it was nearly picked. 
this guy would have needed to be, you know, Edward Moses or somebody to reach that. But he tips it, and Jaden Wiley doesn't lose focus and catches it in. What a great catch there. Great job by Will, nearly a great job by the defender, but a great job by Jaden Wiley to maintain focus to get the touchdown. And, again, Austin Williams and Jaden Wiley, really not much of the offense against A&M. Both of them have touchdowns within the first quarter today. Extra point is good. It's a 14-0 ball game, and I think everybody in the stadium and everybody watching on TV and everybody that was keeping up with this game on the radio or live stats or whatever thought, you know what, here we go. I had Arkansas, again, a touchback. And great job, again, not to be lost in all this because we get so wound up at times with place kicking, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of aspects to that. There's the snap, the hold, there's the kick. It's not always on the kicker. But something is wrong with our battery here, and we're not able to get this stuff done. But how great has it been, more times than not, to be able to kick off and get that ball in the end zone? And State did a great job of doing that all game long on Saturday. So, touchback here, first and 10 from the Arkansas 25, and they they immediately go behind the chains here. False start on Hazelwood. Hornsby's in the game now. And here's the thing, and I've read some of these things too, and I think it's important to understand this. So many people are be like, well, Steve, you played a third-team quarterback. Yeah, we did. But this kid was highly recruited. This kid is legit. His time just hadn't come yet. You know, one time Dak Prescott was a third-team quarterback too. Malik Coinsby is legit. Malik goes for 52 yards here, big gain there, and we're like, oh, we got a ball game. First and 10 from our 28-yard line. Rocket goes for one. They go back to him for five. Brings up a manageable third and four to Malik Hornsby. Scrambles and gets a first down. First and ten from our 17. They bring in Cade Fortin. I don't know if I understand this, but they did. Oh, yeah, I do remember this. This is when we had the uh, – they, they flagged us for targeting and then uh, looked back over and it was incorrect. That's right. Malik Hornsby took a big shot there, but it was a legal hit. He's going down. They're going down. Just football play. Fortin comes in, complete to Rocket, makes it second and eight. They give it back to Sanders, who gets seven. Nathan Pickering with a nice play there. Brings up a third and one. They decide to go for it. And uh, J.P. Purvis getting in there, forcing the quick throw, and it's incomplete. And then fourth and one, they decide to go for it. They give it to Sanders, and who else would you give it to? We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But fourth and one, and it's State blowing it up. Tyrus Wheat, Jalen Green. Turnover on downs. So State's scoreless quarter continues. All right, first and 10 now from the State 8. Last time we did this was against A&M. We went to length of the field. All right, we'll complete to Austin Williams for a dozen here. Makes it first and 10 out of the State 20. Then we go to t- – we hit Dylan Johnson on that little shovel. And then he runs 38 yards. Down to the Arkansas 42. So already in two plays, we're in plus territory. All right, first and 10 from the Arkansas 42. We run for three up the middle with DJ. And then we're complete to ducking for four. A little crossing route there. Just kind of found a spot. That runs out the quarter. Gives State a good chance here, again, to kind of get some separation in this game. And this is a drive we should have scored on. Third and three. We give it to Woody. He goes for one. Doesn't work out. Right, and then we're complete to Woody for 12 yards and the first down. But uh, this is when they call the um, the blindside block. It was not a blindside block the way that I understand it because he had his numbers. 
it wasn't like he earholed him. They flag it. I thought it was a bad call. It is a spot foul. And I know there's some people, too, that didn't, full, that didn't fully understand that. And I, I've read some commentary from some people that I know and like, and I don't think they understand the concept either. There have been spot fouls and there have been penalties from the spot of the foul basically as long as there has been football. It's not a new rule. So we had made the first down. However, down the field, beyond the sticks, we commit a penalty, which backs it up 15 yards, which makes it a fourth and five, not a fourth and 17. I thought we should have gone for it. Just me. Thought we should have gone for it. We take a delay a game here. I don't know if that was intentional or not. But Archer Trafford comes in, does a great job for us, lays it up there, and Jaden Wiley down the field, downs it at the one-yard line. It's a good effort there. And you're thinking, okay, we've got a good chance here to get good field position and cash and a touchdown, and that's exactly what happens. They bring in A.J. Green, and, of course, Arkansas has this stable of running backs. A.J. Green goes for five. They go back to him for four, and then on third and one, J.P. Purvis knives through, and they hit him for no gain. Brings up a fourth and one. They're backed up inside their 10. They have to punt here. Xavier Thomas gets a nice return here, 12 yards. So State sets up shop there at the Arkansas 40. So when you look at the change in possession here, we punted from the Arkansas 42. We got the football back at the Arkansas 40. So great job by the defense. And then Will Rogers and crew go back to work. Complete to Woody for six. And then we hit Justin Robinson. It's good to see him making some plays. Big, rangy, physical receiver. We need him out there in the pass pattern. Makes it first and 10 at the Arkansas, 23. We're incomplete to DJ. We give the DJ on second and 10, he gets seven. Then we're incomplete to Jameer Calvin. Great play by Simeon Blair here. This is another play, too, that I'll be like, oh, it was almost picked. It was not almost picked. It was not almost picked. You got a guy full extension laying out. If he picks that thing, it is one of the greatest picks in the history of college football. But Steve, it went off his hands. There was no way he's bringing that thing in. Use some deductive reasoning here. It is a, it's a broken up pass. But, of course, Will gets criticized for it, you know. And you know what? Will probably had a pre-snap read thinking, I'm going to go to Jameer right here because I got the look that I, that I want. And Blair makes a great play. Brings up fourth and three. We go for it. Give it to Woody. First down, the Arkansas 12. And a lot of people around me were thinking, just kick the field goal. This is not the football play. And Mike Leach is like, you know what? To heck with you and your traditions, your conventions. I'm going to go do my own thing. I don't trust my kickers. I'm just going to go out here and play football. All right, first and 10 now to Arkansas, 12. We run up the middle for two with, D, with, uh, with Woody. Second and eight, we're incomplete to Woody. Isaiah Nichols bats that ball down at the line. We had a couple of those, too. We had a couple of those. Arkansas did a good job getting their hands up along the defensive front and into passing windows. We had a couple balls batted down. Third and eight. We're complete to Austin Williams. And you remember that? The, let me go back to that play by Nichols. That ball is batted right back into Will Rogers' face, and he wisely bats it down rather than catches it and, and takes a loss there. So heads-up play for Will, and I don't know that that maybe got noted, but how many quarterbacks would panic in that situation and grab it trying to avoid an interception take a big loss? But Will, coach's kid, high football IQ, it's like, nope. I just bat this thing down. It's an incompletion. I'm right back up there at the 10-yard line. That's exactly what happens. And then Will basically waggles left here, kind of on his own, throws an absolute dime to the pylon, and Austin Williams, what an amazing catch. Austin with two acrobatic catches here in the first half. 
Extra point is good. It's 21 nothing. I think we all thought, you know what, this is going to get really, really ugly. It was getting late early in Starkville, Mississippi for the Arkansas Razorbacks. But give them credit. They didn't quit. Give Arkansas credit, and you know what Sam Pittman is their coach. They're not going to quit. Raheem Sanders and runs for four yards. Again, touchback. I never get tired of saying that. Ben Rabin with the touchback. All right, Rocket runs for four. They give it to Sanders for six, moves the chains, first and ten, back up the middle with Rocket for two, back to Sanders for nine, another first down on the drive. Malik Hornsby then gets loose here and hits Keytron Jackson for 21. We had a few busts, and I would love to talk to Zach Arnett, maybe away from the cameras. They were obviously doing some things to get guys open. Maybe it's some eye candy they were showing because you have to respect the run so much of Malik Hornsby. But they were doing some things schematically to get guys wide open. We had, what, three or four busts on the day? And it seems like Hornsby hurt us every time. The kid's got a bright future. Got to work a little bit better on the intermediate stuff in a short passing game. But he's a very gifted athlete. I can see why Arkansas fans are excited about him. All right, first and ten, A.J. Green then runs for four. Back to Green for one, makes it a third and five. And there's a false start on Arkansas, makes it now third and 10. And Arkansas was upset about this, too, like they were accusing State of bark or simulating the snap. That's not us. That's what Kentucky does. All right, third and 10, Fortin's in incomplete. J.P. Purvis in his face again. And J.P. getting his first college start, I thought really played well in, in Bookie Watson's absence. Of course, Bookie came in late. Uh, Cam Little then steps in. And Cam, I know he missed that field goal against A&M. The guy's a really good kicker. Made a season-long 51-yarder. And it was good with change. Kickoff is good for a touchback. So State takes over, leading 21-3 to with 5.56 to play in the first half. This is the Woody drive. Woody comes out, runs for five. Second and five. We're complete to Woody for three, which makes it a third and two. And then we run up the middle for one, makes it fourth and one from our own 34. And you know what? We're going again. Get ready, because here we go. And Woody gets the first down. Yeah. I like the, the urgency with our running backs. Like, they understand, I got to get these three yards, and they do. Uh, first and 10, now from the state, 38. I mean, who does that? You're up 18 points with your own side of the field, and you go for it. We do. We're complete then to Rufus. First and 10 out in their midfield now. And DJ runs for three to get into Arkansas territory. Then it's complete. Dylan Johnson, again, 11 yards here. That shovel pass continued to work for us. And it's, there's so many times we've run that the last couple of years and it hadn't worked out or it's just been okay. We gashed him with it a couple times on Saturday. First and 10 from the Arkansas 38. Uh, complete to Scooby for nine, which brings up a manageable second and one. I don't know why we don't run here. I had to go back and look at the box here. And then we, we try to get it to Scooby Ford. And Hudson Clark comes through the receiver. And, again, it's like, oh, it's almost picked. There was no way this ball was getting picked. Z- unless Scooby Ford falls down, the laws of physics would not have allowed this ball to be intercepted. He had to come through Scooby Ford and Scooby's left shoulder. Will's ball placement is off here. But this ball was not almost picked. I know what Dave Neal said. I'm not being critical of Dave. He had to come through the receiver to get a hand on it. And he did. He broke it up. It's a nice play by him. I think in some, in some officials' eyes, you might have even called uh, P.I. there. But he wasn't almost picked. Again, we reject the Hugh Kellenberger doctrine on principle. We work on what is and what is not. All right, third and one. 
incomplete to Rai Rai here. And then we go for it on fourth and one. I didn't like the play call here. But, again, they're loading the box, expecting us. I get it. I don't know if I wouldn't run a toss play here. But the reality of it is it didn't hurt us. But this is a drive, too. You'd think you would like to have been able to put these points up and kind of quell the uprising from the Razorbacks here because, you know, all of a sudden they're kind of climbing back in the ball game. If you score here and you make it a 28-3 game just before the half, I think in many ways you, you might have taken their will away a little bit earlier. But give them credit. They get another bust, and he hits Hazelwood for 68 yards all the way down to the MSU three, and then Sanders rushes in for the touchdown. So it's a two-play drive there. Just not good, man. Just not. That's, those are the kinds of things, even in games like this, that are unacceptable on both ends of the field. You got to be able to get that fourth and one, because let's let's not forget it was second and one, and then for three consecutive plays we get nothing, we get nothing, and then next thing you know, we give them life with a minute and a half to go of a bust on defense. So not good team football there, and it leads to a touchdown for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now it's a twenty-one to ten game, and they've got the ball coming out in the half, and we start thinking, you know what? Maybe we need to go down here and put some points on the board because if they score, it's a twenty-one seventeen game makes it a one-possession game late, anything can happen. You don't want to squander a 21-0 lead. So we get the ball again at our 31. We have uh, Tulu returns it from the goal line and gets 31 yards here. So good returns. We're in pretty good field position. Then we had Jaden Wiley to get us into Arkansas territory under a minute to go. We're complete to Woody for three. We call a timeout there with 42 seconds, but we're at the Arkansas 44. So plenty of time, plenty of playmakers, plenty to do, plenty of opportunity. We had to get a chance to go score here, right? All right. Uh, so so it's uh, we call a timeout there, and then we go to Tulu, and there's the P.I. there. And they didn't like the call. It was an obvious P.I. call. He's grabbing a jersey. He's holding. He's pushing. And then Tulu goes down. I don't know if Tulu would have made the catch or not. But McLaughlin from Arkansas made sure he didn't. He was beat on the play and not able to play the football. And, and it's not necessarily a bad penalty. I think if he didn't grab him, it may end up being a touchdown. Not certain, but the possibility there. They didn't like the call. It was the right call. That gives us first and 10 at the 29. Now you're thinking, okay, we're going to go score. We get it to Woody, brings up a third and three at the Arkansas uh, 22. Call timeout again. Incomplete to, uh, to Woody here on third and three, brings up fourth and three. We call timeout, and we attempt a 40-yard field goal, and it's no good. And, again, it's like, here we go. It's like, you know what, we were in complete control of this game And now all of a sudden, we've kind of lost our way here. It's like after we go up 21-0, you're thinking this thing is over. And then Arkansas outscores us 10-0 the rest of the way. And it wasn't like State wasn't moving the football. It's our own inability to execute and finish these drives that kind of allowed Arkansas to hang around a little bit. It's not like Arkansas made the plays. You know, that fourth and one pass to Rufus is a little bit low there. You know, I still thought Rufus might have come up with it, but he didn't. And then here we are with a bust in the secondary. And so it's like all this stuff kind of works together. And it's good that you can, you know, absorb the mistake, but you prefer not to make it in the first place. All right, so we missed a field goal, which would have made it a 24-10 ball game. 
I mean, you're just leaving points on the field, right? I know nobody's perfect. All right, 13 seconds to go. Then uh, it's uh, Hornsby then incomplete, and Emmanuel Forbes with the uh, PBU there. Malik Hornsby then runs for six. And uh, they, they hit it out to Raheem Sanders, just kind of let him run. And uh, they're, they're holding on the play. And so, like, if we accept the penalty, of course, it negates those 23 yards. But we just want to get into the half. Why well, give them another down? So we get into the half, State's up 21 to 10. We have played really well at times and not so well at others. I'd love to know what Mike Lee said at the halftime. All right, let's jump into this here. All right, second half. Raven kicks Having to hire a new employee sometimes is the absolute worst, right? We've all been there. If you've got your own small business, I mean, you're, you're trusting your livelihood. You're trusting your baby, your blood, sweat, and tears with somebody perhaps you don't know very well. That's why you got to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. How cool is that? I mean, times in the past, I've made hiring decisions when I was desperate for an employee. Been nice to have had a partner to help me screen through some of this and make sure that I get people that fit the specific skill set I'm looking for. It's so easy to go make a free ad today at LinkedIn. Maybe you should. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it much easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to actually meet, interview, and ultimately hire. It's important to have the right team. It's why every small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster than ever before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash boneyard. That's linkedin.com slash boneyard to post your job for free. Some terms and conditions may apply. Off, and this time it's not a touchback, and it's actually muffed by A.J. Green. It goes into the end zone. He panics, comes out, and gets down at the one-yard line. And, again, J.P. Purvis in the, in the play there. Corey Ellington also assisting. All right, it's a uh, good series for the defense here. We were all worried about this drive. I was. I'm thinking, you know what, they're going to come out and make their halftime adjustments, and what do we do? We pin them back deep. And, again, they're making a special teams miscue rather than us. Sanders runs for one out to the two-yard line. Sanders runs for three, brings up a third and six from the five, and it's incomplete. And then they get a decent punt here, 53 yards to the MSU 42. It hits and bounces back. So, again, even though we backed them up, good field position here uh, for the Bulldogs. And we did what we should have done at the end of the half. We go down and score. All right, so we're incomplete to Williams, and it's broken up by Landon Jackson. We're complete to Rufus for 12, which moves the chains first and 10 across midfield, the Arkansas 46. We go to Duck for five, brings up a second five. We give it to DJ, who runs for eight, moves the chains. First and 10 from the Arkansas 33. DJ stacked up at the line. One of the only maybe non-productive carries we had on the day. In second 10, we lay it up there, and Rufus knew it all the way. Paul Jones points out, too, on our message board. As soon as the ball was in the air, Rufus put his hands up. Great route concept there. Basically, a switch route that allowed Ducking to get loose. He's wide open for the touchdown. And it's pandemonium. Extra points good. State's up 27-10. Now a three-score game in the third quarter. 
Arkansas comes out, tries to make a game of it. Sanders then runs for 12 to the Arkansas 37. Again, after the touchback. They hit a nice big play again. Another bust here, and Hazelwood is loose for 44. Now it's first and 10 at the state 19, and then Sanders runs for six. They go back to Sanders for three, brings up third and one. Sanders pounds it down low and sets up a first and goal situation. Now first and goal from the two, they give it to Sanders, and we stonewall him, and then we don't see him the rest of the drive. I thought that was rather interesting. And you know, maybe he was gassed. I mean, he was very productive on this drive. Second one, they give it to Dominique Johnson. No game. Malik Hornsby then rolls right, has the guy open out there, can't throw with the accuracy on the run. Duncan's in his face a little bit. Let's give Colin Duncan some credit there. And the ball is incomplete. They call timeout. And rather than come back out with Sanders, now granted he has sat the last two plays, you've called a timeout. It was a full timeout. They don't bring Sanders back in on fourth and one. And they give it to Rashad DeBinion, and he gets absolutely jacked at the one. I don't quite understand the personnel thing. And, again, I don't know what's going on with Sanders. You know, maybe he was gassed. But you'd like to have the SEC's leading rusher there in a game you're trying to climb back into it. And the SEC's leading rusher is on the sidelines on, on a play that could ultimately, in many ways, decide the season for you. All right, first and ten for State at their own one. Woody gets us one. Then we're complete to Tulu for 33 yards. We're off and running again. Out to the MSU 35. Find Justin Robinson for nine. Out to the state 44, and um, they end up calling a, uh, a P.I. here. Didn't like this call either. P.I. on Jaden Wiley. Backs us up all the way back to the uh, MSU 20. We call timeout. We talk about it. Then we're complete to Woody for 11. It makes it a more manageable situation. Second, 14. Incomplete to Tulu. Third and 14. Incomplete to Justin Robinson. And uh, they call us for holding here. That's declined, too. And then Archer, a decent punt here, 46 yards, uh, gets a three-yard loss on a return. So great job on the special teams. Archer getting a very high arcing punt, giving us a chance to get down there and cover it. And this J.P. Purvis, again, doing big things. But, again, a promising drive here, and then there's some mistakes. We'll get behind the chains. The good thing is you're able to get out of the – out of the shadow of your own goalpost and flip the field. We take over our one, we give it back to them at their 20. That's a win for State, even though we don't get points. Arkansas takes over at their 20. Sanders goes for three, then back to him for four, which sets up a third and three. They're complete then to Sanders for 18 yards. Again, we just weren't getting out there. All right, first and 10 from the Arkansas 45, complete the Hazelwood for just the one yard there. Great play by Duncan and Jed Johnson. Second nine, and here's the touchdown. And, and they stacked the formation. They stacked four receivers right, kind of like the old Mississippi Valley State formation. And he waits and waits and waits and waits and waits and lays it up there, and, and um, Bryce Stevens beats Decamp, you know. And uh, great throw, great catch. I thought Bryce Stevens did a good job kind of adjusting and uh, makes a nice running grab overhead there. So, you know, tip of the cap to them. Disappointing. But a great play by the Arkansas Razorbacks. They kick the extra point. Now it's 27-17 game. Kickoff is good, and Tulu runs it out for 35. They flag us for holding. They get Jordan Morant there. Now it's back at our 25. So the net exchange is basically a touchback. Stay with 323 to go. Comes out. Dylan runs for two. We're incomplete to ducking. 
brings up a third and eight, and then we come through again. Nine yards to Rara here for the first down. Kind of a quiet game for Rara. But here he is making a loud play when we need it. First and 10, 36, DJ runs for three. We back at DJ for 11, which makes it first and 10 at midfield. We hit Rufus for 20. Great job by him to get loose here. Now it's first and 10 at the Arkansas 30, and then Dylan Johnson breaks off left side, and Nick Jones and Steven Lasoya, guys we didn't talk an awful lot about in the preseason, kind of paving the path there for a touchdown. The kick from Rabin is good, and it's now a 34-17 ball game. At this point, I think everybody in the stadium knew how this thing was going to turn out. Another touchback. Thank you, Ben. Arkansas takes over to 25, incomplete to Bryce Stevens. Pickering gets a big hand up there, knocks it down. Matt Landers then is incomplete to him. Forbes comes around, bats that ball down. So back-to-back PBUs for the Bulldogs. Third and 10, Malik Hornsby gets loose and runs for the first down. And kind of like the Jaden Daniels thing. It's like you do a good job and you can't get home and he gets loose. All right, first and 10, he's complete to A.J. Green. And then A.J. Green runs right for no gain, which brings up a third and 10. And that is what we take over in the fourth quarter. So State really in control here. And you just kind of felt like, you know what, we just got to play good defense here and let's get to the house. Keep running the football. Third and 10, Hornsby again gets loose. Runs for 25 yards. I hope we don't see another running quarterback this year. I mean, honestly, a true running quarterback. Malik Hornsby, I think, is even faster than Jaden Daniels. Both of them very elusive and very athletic. But if we don't have to see Hornsby again until next year, I'm okay with that. All right, first and 10 uh, from our 40 after the big conversion there, and it's complete to Bryce Stevens for five. Then we get to Hornsby for a sack. Jack Harris coming through there. Welcome back, Jack. Our third and seven from the MSU 37. It's incomplete uh, to Raheem Sanders. Brings up a fourth and seven. They go for it, and Hornsby just kind of throws it up for grabs, and it's Jackie Matthews that comes down with it, uh, picking off seven yards there on the return. All right, first and 10 from the 30. Uh, we're complete to Woody for six. We run it to him for three, which brings up a third and one, and Woody again takes care of it. Four yards, runs through Simeon Blair there uh, to get the first down. First and ten. We go back to Woody on a pass play for 16. Now we're in Arkansas territory at the 41. Incomplete to Woody Marks. It's just like the Woody Marks show. But there's a personal foul on Lennon Jackson, which moves it down to the Arkansas 26. All right, first and ten now. Incomplete, short, but there's a P.I. penalty. We're going to Robinson there, and you could tell the Arkansas defense was getting a little bit tired. First and 10 now from the Arkansas 11. We go to, to Woody on a little short pass play, and then we're incomplete to Jameer Calvin. Try, we, we, there clearly is an effort to get Jameer touchdowns. And then uh, there's a P.I. call there, which makes it first and goal with the two. We give it to Woody, and he's in the end zone. And it's good to see Woody did some big work on this drive and really in the second half. Thought Woody really looked good. And what a great luxury to have two backs like Woody and Dylan Johnson, right? And now here we go, and the, uh, the, the point after is no good. You know, this, this is, you know, we had the one earlier that was botched. The snap was bad, and we missed this kick here. And it's just, you know, you just get sick of it, man. I mean, I wish it wasn't an issue. And you'd say, well, we've got these big scoring margins, but at some point it's going to matter. We're going to have to make a kick to win a ball game. All right, touchback again. Thanks, Ben. Uh, first and 10, Arkansas takes over with 10-28 to play. It's 40-17. And then, you know, Hazelwood rushes for eight. They give it to DeBinion for 12, brings up a first down. First and 10, the Hornsby then goes for 12. 
DeBinion for a one-yard loss. Then DeBinion goes for 10, makes it third and one. DeBinion runs again. And then Hornsby tries to let's be the hero here and throws it up for grabs, and it's Emmanuel Forbes Jr. Bringing down the pick. Very athletic play there. That gives him four on the year. The guy, I mean, the guy's an all-SEC guy. I think he should be an all-American consideration. I'm biased, but the guy's outstanding. One of the best defensive backs to ever play at Mississippi State. All right, State takes over here at 7.23 to go in the game. We're incomplete to Tulu. And then Simeon Price runs for a, a hard eight yards at the middle. And then we're incomplete to ducking. We punt again. And George Giropoulos, 44-yard punt to the Arkansas 28. Arkansas takes over there at 6.25 to go. DeBinion runs for four. DeBinion runs for a one-yard loss. And it's a false start again on Arkansas. Brings up a third and 12. Hornsby runs for six. And Tyra Sweet absolutely destroys him out in the flat there. And then Reed Bauer punts for 44. And uh, Xavier, five-yard loss here on the return. And then State runs a clock out here. Dillon goes for two. Will Rodgers complete to Jordan Mosley for 15 yards. And it's good to see Jordan up there running around a little bit. J.J. Jernigan then runs for five. Will Rogers complete to Mosley again for 28. So you're in there for one drive. You get two grabs for 43 yards. A dog will hunt. J.J. Jernigan runs for seven, then runs for one. That's a game. And Bulldogs win 40-17. to 17. Let's take a quick look at the numbers. we got a lot to do here in these last uh, few minutes together. Let's look at the individual numbers here. Uh, quickly, State with 33 first downs in the game. Arkansas just 18 of course, most of State coming through the air, but it's 16 passing, 11 rushing for State. State runs for 173 yards. Arkansas, 241. They are a run-first team, with or without K.J. Jefferson. You're not going to reinvent the offense. But, uh, you know, hey, good job for those guys. And uh, we're not going to see a lot of teams that can run it with the same level of success that, that they do the rest of the way. Uh, of course, Alabama and Georgia, pretty balanced offenses, but some very talented backs that we'll see there. But 37 rushing attempts for Mississippi State, 173 yards, the highest rushing net total for Mike Leach in his time at Mississippi State. State throws for 395 yards. Will Rogers 31 of 48. Uh, Hornsby and Fortin combined 10 of 23 with two picks. It's like you got the big plays, but outside of that, you don't have much. It's, it, you can't win games that way. You've got to be able to sustain drives. State with 568 yards of offense. Uh, punts, three for 131 for us, 43.7-yard average for State. Of course, the one that was down inside the one-yard line. Outstanding effort there. Uh, the return game, you know, not much there. You know, punt returns for, uh, for, for Arkansas, one for negative three, us two for seven yards. You know, so we thought Xavier and Thomas might have a chance. This didn't work out. But State possessed the ball 35 41. Arkansas does 24 19. Uh, State allowed eight of, thir- eight of 16. Third down conversions, and State is 5 of 13 on third down offensively, but go for it four times and make it three or four times. Should have been four for four. Arkansas went for it on fourth down, went 0 for three, and I believe lost yardage on every single one of those plays. They had, they had the two uh, times they were stoned inside the red zone and then, of course, the pick. So they net no yards. Red zone chances, Razorbacks one for three, State four for four. State also two sacks, and the Bulldog offensive line did not allow a sack for the second consecutive week. PAT were four or five, and it's like the other one didn't count. We count that as a two-point conversion fail. But anyway, again, individual numbers here before we get to our top ten list. 
Uh, Will of 31 of 48, 395, three touchdowns, long of 38. Dylan Johnson, the first 100-yard rusher for Mississippi State since Colin Hill did it in the 2019 Egg Bowl. 17 carries, two touchdowns, 100 yards. We'll take that all day. And then Woody Marks, uh, not in any way to be overshadowed, 52 big rushing yards. But you know what? He had 80 receiving. So you start looking at the combination of these two guys and what they're doing all purpose. It's an absolutely outstanding effort. DJ with 49 receiving yards too. So he has 149 yards and then Woody 132. You begin to kind of do the math on that. Our, the backs in the Mississippi State offense are getting touches. Caleb Ducking, the leading receiver from a wide receiver standpoint, four grabs, 50 yards and a touchdown. And then Jordan Mosley with two and 43. Rufus had three for 42. Austin Williams, three for 42. Two Lutus, one for 33. Jaden Wally, two for 27. Had the score there. And then Justin Robinson, one for 11. But it seemed like we targeted him a little bit more. Just couldn't always connect. Ra-Ra, just the one for nine. Scooby Ford, also one for nine. Uh, defensively, Arkansas racked up a lot of tackles because Mississippi State ran a lot of plays. You had Drew Sanders with 16. Bumper Poole with 14. And along the way, Bumper Poole uh, breaks the Arkansas career record for tackles. So congratulations to Bumper Poole. Uh, Jed Johnson led Mississippi State with 11 tackles. Jalen Green with seven. DeCamp with seven. Colin Duncan also with seven. Emmanuel Forbes with six. Nate Watson with six. J.P. Purvis with six. And think those two basically played as one person, right? One guy played the first half. other guy mostly played the second half. And you had basically 12 tackles combined. Good effort there. Randy Charlton, to an impact player on the game, five. And then the big play inside the swim move to get loose there to stone him on fourth down. Nathan Pickering also with five. Cam Young with five. You're going to have a lot of these in the front seven, front six against running teams. Ty Weed with four. And Jack Harris, four tackles. So thumbs up for Jack. Nice contribution. Jackie Matthews with two. And, of course, also had the pick. But uh, great game by the Bulldog defense from a scoring standpoint. Again, a lot of yards in the game. But uh, as we have learned, you know, uh, in recent years, that nobody cares about yards if you don't score. And when we were on offense last year at times, moving the ball over the field and weren't finishing drives and scoring, nobody felt sorry for Mississippi State. So I don't feel sorry for Arkansas now. State's tough between the 20s. You get down there and you, you get some big plays. And think about it, Arkansas could not sustain drives against Mississippi State and finish drives. They had some big plays, and those big plays count. But with this defense, you're going to have some of that. How many of those big plays didn't happen because we had somebody in their face? And how many times did we get a quarterback on the ground? Or sometimes we run blitz and, and stonewall things before they even get started. And so you're going to have to kind of live with some of that. But the reality of it is Mississippi State is 5-1, now ranked 16th in the country. All right, time for today's top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R, CloseWithBlair.com. Blair is your friend in the mortgage industry. Been my friend a long time. Think a lot of that guy. Does a great job. I don't care who you are where you're from. You stay in any industry 20 years, you know what you're doing. 21 years of experience. Works for Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction with mortgage loan origination. Hit Blair up today. Text or call at 601-500-2344, 601-500-2344. We've had some Boneyard listeners that have taken advantage of Blair services, been very satisfied with the results. I've heard from multiple customers praising Blair Chandler for his work. 
If you mentioned to him you heard about him on the barnyard, doesn't matter if it's email or text or phone call or carrier pigeon, then Blair Chandler will pay for your appraisal. We like to keep it in the family around here. Blair is a Bulldog fan through and through, has a place here in Starkville, season ticket holder in multiple sports. Be sure and check him out today. That's closeofblair.com. Okay, so Roy hit me up today and said, hey, Steve, what about, I know you like hair metal, what about top one hit wonders? And you guys like those too. And so we're going to be quick with this list because we don't have a lot of time. I don't want this to be an elongated show, but we're going to be quick with the list here. All right, top 10. Number 10 for me, Stranger Than Paradise by a band called The Sleaze Bees. They had a couple of other good tracks. That's probably their signature song and the biggest hit they had. Number nine, a band that sounded an awful lot like Dokken. The guitar tone, very similar to George Lynch. It's a band called XYZ. I love that debut album from them. The one hit they had was Inside Out. And if you've heard it, and you'll know what I'm talking about. When you listen to it, Sounds a lot like Dokken. Number eight, a band that I liked a lot, very obscure in many respects. They had a big track that I like called Dancing on Coals, but their big hit was Someone Like You that was on uh, Dial MTV at the time. It's Bang Tango, Someone Like You. Number seven, the band that actually started the flannel craze that many people credit to the Seattle bands, the first band on MTV that kind of quit wearing spandex and leather jackets was a band called Trickster. Their debut single, their biggest hit, it's Give It To Me Good. When you're ready to be bad, just give it. Give it to me good. All right, number six, a band from Memphis, Tennessee. Anthony Quarter, actually my friend on Facebook, like that guy a lot. Need to get out and see Tora Tora. Their debut single, great track called Walking Shoes. I love that whole debut album, Surprise Attack. The second album, Wild America, very good too. But uh, the only big hit they had was uh, Walking Shoes. Uh, Phantom Rider had a little bit of a run, too. Number five, a band called Britney Fox. Very typical for the time. Their first single was a, a song called Long Way to Love that was actually really cool. But their big hit, a great video, too. It's a song called Girl School. At the girl school, my baby broke all the rules. Number four, a band that was expected to do huge things their debut album the disregard of timekeeping a band called bonham jason bonham the son of legendary led zeppelin drummer john bonham was kind of the name in this band that the only hit they had was wait for you there was a great track on that album called guilty that is also amazing but wait for you the only real commercial success they had number three a huge hit here one of the best vocalists of the time don't know that he gets enough respect it's the band Steelheart in the song I'll Never Let You Go, subtitled Angel Eyes, because you have angel eyes. All right, number two, I love this band. Matter of fact, I've got a pretty big tattoo in honor of this band's second album, Freak Show. But we got to go back to the debut album, the self-titled Bullet Boys album, their debut single, also their biggest hit. It's Smooth Up In Ya, which is an amazing track. It's uh, basically about uh, female attraction. Let's just say that. But number one for me, and I think this is an absolute banger of a track, and it was absolutely a one-hit wonder. They had a little bit of success with their follow-up, a track called 19 and Nonstop, but it's Turn Up the Radio by the band Autograph. And when they hit the scene, we thought they were going to be the next big thing. Just not a lot of great songs on that, that debut album, but uh, Turn Up the Radio still gets played on the radio these days. It's, uh, it's a lifestyle, shall we say. That's your top 10 list for today. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let me know. I'm happy to consider them. The best way to get those to us is to hit up Roy on Twitter 
at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. You can also find our great list on Spotify under that same handle, Dogmatic67. I'll also tweet those out and share them on Facebook. Appreciate your support of the top ten list. And uh, we're going to change a little bit. There are times, you know, I, I struggle to find bands or artists that I think are worthy of our time. And so we used to do some things early on. So it's not just music. So if you think of something, I've had some people say, hey, Steve, what's your favorite moments and certain rivalries and things like that. So uh, we might bring one of those lists later this week. And so not everybody's a music person. I get it. And some of you let me know that. It's like, Steve, I always fast forward to the top 10 list. Well, that's, that's your loss. But that's our top 10 list for today. Okay, next segment of the show is our look around the Southeastern Conference brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. You will too. I, I had so many people that said, Steve, I never shopped with Campus Bookmart until they began advertising on your show. And I've had Kathy Brown tell me that the best form of advertising they have ever had has been the Boneyard. And it's because of that great promo code. Like so many people, they can track it to see how you guys are doing, right? So visit campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Okay, we had some great games for breakfast on Saturday. Of course, you guys were with me at Davis Wade Stadium. Is the Bulldogs 140-17. Tennessee goes into Tiger Stadium. And I believe I saw this, and I believe it's correct. It's the biggest margin of victory for Tennessee in the series with LSU. I, I'm too lazy to look it up because we're kind of short of time. But Tennessee, 40-13 to 13 winners. I remember a game in the early 2000s when Tennessee went down there with Kelly Washington. And it, they ran that seven route over and over and over again. And LSU just absolutely could not stop it. But Tennessee, a top-10 team and facing a really big matchup this week uh, at home against Alabama. So 40-13 to 13 winners. And Hendon Hooker, nobody's really talking about this guy as much as they should. Is he, is he the Heisman Trophy winner at this point? Like if we were to give a halfway point Heisman Trophy winner, is it not him? Guys, this was a 23-7 game at the break. And after three, it's 37-7 in Death Valley. Incredible, man. Absolutely incredible. We look at the numbers, too. Hooker, 17-27, 239 yards through the year, a couple touchdowns, and then ran for 56. So a nice day for him and uh, small runs for 127 yards. The Tigers, not very strong against the run. Jaden Daniels, a pretty good game, though, 32-45 of for 300 yards through the air. Also threw a big pick. But they could not run the football against Tennessee which will be awfully interesting this week to see how that Tennessee front matches up against Alabama. That Tennessee secondary is, um, is pretty leaky. I just don't know uh, if Alabama, with a quarterback with a bad arm, can really exploit that. We'll see. We'll talk about that later in the week. Missouri gives Florida a bit of a scare. And that's the thing, too. You look at Eli Drinkwitz's team. They've nearly pulled it off against Georgia and nearly pulled it off against Florida. But those are, those are moral victories. They're 2-4. and four. You don't get any credit for that in the standings. The Tigers now 0-3 in the Southeastern Conference. But it was a 10-10 game at the break. And then Florida outscores them 14-7 down the stretch. Missouri had their opportunities uh, in the fourth quarter. Just could not get over the hump. But uh, Florida puts the game away late 
with a, uh, a late 18-yard touchdown run to make it a 24-17 game. But, uh, excuse me, it was 24-10, and then Missouri scores late uh, to make it 24-17. But, uh, yeah, again, a competitive game for the Tigers, but uh, how long do you put up with that? You know, what, what's next for Mizzou? Auburn, I told you guys on Friday I thought Georgia would have a get-right game against Auburn. They absolutely did. I don't know that the game is truly – the score is indicative of how dominant Georgia was in this game. I think a lot of people, including myself, kind of wondered what's it look like in this ball game with so much up and down with Georgia this season. You know, they struggled with Kent State. They, they weren't exactly amazing against Samford. They struggled last week against Missouri. They have a 14-0 lead here after a scoreless first quarter. 21-3 after – three quarters, and then Florida, excuse me, Georgia pours it on in the fourth quarter, and the Auburn defense just simply wore down. And that Auburn defensive front is supposed to be, you know, know, their calling card on a defense is not expected to be good. They just absolutely wore down in a 21-point fourth quarter for Georgia to put it away 42-10. to So no real surprise there. Uh, The Battle of Vanderbilt goes in the favor of Ole Miss, but a wild game. As I said on Twitter, you can always just kind of throw out the record books when these two get together. Uh, the Bowtie Bowl is, I think, what we're going to call it. I saw where ESPN called it the Khaki Bowl, which I think is funny. Some Ole Miss people got upset about that. But uh, Vandy actually jumps out to, you know, what, a 13-3 lead here and then has a 20-17 to lead at the break. Ole Miss gets right there in the third quarter, 21 to nothing in the third quarter. And then Ole Miss scores again late. And uh, a lot of people talked about that. And here's what I'll say. I, I don't criticize these guys for scoring again late. It's not Ole Miss's job to stop Ole Miss. It's, I mean, they're down there close, right? I mean, that's just the reality of life. You're playing, you think you're playing for something substantial. Style points matter. And it was not a great game for Ole Miss through two quarters, but in the second half, they absolutely dominate. They outscored the Commodores 35-8 to in the second half to Cruz 52-28 again. Interesting game for a while. And Jonathan Mingo, the other co-offensive player of the week, uh, set a new Ole Miss single-game receiving record. And let's be honest, Jonathan Mingo's been hurt a lot in his career, but uh, maybe he's not lived up to his potential. He certainly did on Saturday, and we certainly give him credit for that. All right, South Carolina goes into Lexington, Kentucky. Of course, Will Levis did not play uh, for Kentucky. I'm not sure that it mattered. But South Carolina – Pretty anemic offensively, but they gave Kentucky some trouble. It was 7-7 at the break, and then South Carolina kind of seized control there in the third quarter to take a 17-7 lead. There's all these notifications rolling. I apologize for that. And then Kentucky had their chances late, but uh, just simply simply could not catch up. South Carolina, a 24-7 lead in this ballgame with six minutes to go in the game. Yeah, I mean, it was, there was never any question in that fourth quarter who was going to win the game. But um, Leveson played, so they started Sharon, uh, uh, who went 15 of 27 for 178 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. And South Carolina all over, all over the Kentucky quarterback. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, a good game for Kentucky, 22 carries for 126 yards. That'll be job one for Mississippi State. It's kind of slowing him down. And we'll talk more about Kentucky on Wednesday. But this vaunted receiving core for Kentucky, not a good day. Leading receiver on the day was Magwood, two catches for 37 yards. 
and really did not have anybody that had more than two catches on the day. And that's just simply not going to work. But again, Kentucky not able to protect the passer and not able to rush the passer. I read a statistic they've allowed 25 sacks in six games, which is the most for an SEC team in like over a dozen years. And so when you think about this, you have a leaky secondary and then you don't rush the passer. That should give Will Rogers plenty of time to survey the field and distribute the football. On the flip side of that, Kentucky so dependent on the running game, they've become pretty much one-dimensional because they can't protect the passer. And then if Levis does play this week, and I understand he has a dislocated finger that he's dealing with, and then he has a severe case of turf toe. Now, he set out last week, they lose. You know, I'm sure they'll try to get him right this week. But you've got a guy with a foot injury that's not especially mobile with that foot injury, and you've got an offensive line that is really struggling to stop the pass rush. They have not faced a defense as aggressive as what they'll see Saturday night for Mississippi State. And the line obviously favors State. It exploded shortly after it opened. Uh, I think State should win this game handily, and we'll talk about it again more about that on, on, on uh, Wednesday. But the Wildcats have now lost two in a row. I have read with great interest, though, that uh, some of the Kentucky apologists had said that Kentucky has lost to lesser opponents the last two weeks. I don't know that I agree with that, and uh, I'm never an apologist for Ole Miss. Ole Miss is playing well, and we knew that Kentucky may be the only team to give them trouble in maybe the first half of the season. They did, but however, how can you say that Ole Miss was an inferior opponent just because Kentucky was ranked ahead because they started ahead? I think Ole Miss is the better team, especially playing at home. Now, you want to say that you're a better team in South Carolina? You certainly should be, but you weren't. And I don't think if Will Levis plays, it makes that much of a difference because, you know, you you can't – maybe you limit your offense a little bit, but you couldn't stop South Carolina and you couldn't protect your own quarterback. I mean, those those are the things that, you know, I I think you get into and you begin to kind of – you kind of question the thought process. Some people thought beginning of the year, well, Kentucky may contend for the SEC East Championship. I told you guys here on this show, there's absolutely no way that's going to happen. There was never any chance of that happening. Because they're not going to be Georgia, they're not going to be they're not going to be Tennessee. And that's the thing. You start looking at this Kentucky schedule. I think there's a good chance they're not ranked here pretty soon. They were they were top ten here recently. And you look at who they played: Miami, Ohio. They go beat Florida, which at the time seemed like a pretty big win. They beat Youngstown State. They struggle with Northern Illinois. They lose to Ole Miss, and then they lose to South Carolina. They have not played good football for three consecutive weeks, and then State's going in up there. Next week, they play, they get a bye week, and then they get Tennessee, they go to Missouri, they get Vanderbilt, then they get Georgia, and they get Louisville. And so you start looking at this, you know, they're already a four and a four and two team. I picked them eight and four, and I think now you begin to wonder now if they're not a seven and five team. I don't believe they're going to beat Mississippi State. I don't believe they can win at Tennessee, and I certainly don't think they can beat Georgia, despite the fact some people picked them to beat Georgia early on. So they might actually be a 7-5 and five team when it's all said and done, which is one of the main reasons State's got to go up there and take care of business this weekend. Final game of the night, and it was an awfully fun one, and we didn't expect it to be. You know, maybe you guys maybe had a little more foresight than I did. I thought Alabama would kill A&M even without Bryce Young. I thought Alabama would be so motivated to play, and A&M would be reeling a little bit uh, after losing the way they did to Mississippi State. But A&M – has a chance to win at the final play of the game at the two-yard line. 
Don't like the play call. I, I watched Nick Saban's video explaining their defense of that play. It was, it was amazing to see you kind of the genius at work there. And you kind of understand they had a really good idea of what was going to happen. And one of the defensive backs said he saw Jimbo Fisher call the receiver's name. You know, like, hey, we're going to go here, we're going to go here. So he was prepared for the play. But, uh, you know, it's a 17-14 game at the break for Alabama. And even with all these athletes, Alabama didn't look like Alabama. Alabama's great, don't get me wrong. But they're not as good as they have been. I think we would all agree there. And, again, granted, Bryce Young didn't play. So just 12 of 19 for Milrow for 111 yards. But three touchdowns and a pick. And then Gibbs runs for 154. Milrow adds 83. That's the thing you worry about. You know, when Mississippi State plays Alabama, what are we going to do when we blitz and can't get home and they've got these mobile quarterbacks? Haynes King, 25 of 46 for A&M, 253 yards, played on a bad wheel that whole fourth quarter. You, you almost wonder maybe that last play call would have been different if he'd been healthy. Alabama limits Devin change 16 carries to 62 yards. Haynes King runs eight times for his 10 yards. My hope was for A&M that uh, Haynes King would free some things up for Achane. They didn't. But, uh, again, not a great night of offense for either team, but a great ball game. Let's take a quick peek ahead at what is to come the rest of this week. And, again, you know, I think last week when we picked the winners here, we, we picked Tennessee, Mississippi State, Florida, Georgia, Ole Miss, Kentucky, and Alabama. So we do drop the uh, South Carolina-Kentucky game. And, you know, that's the thing, too. If, if Kentucky had been a great team, I think many of us would have said, oh, well, now we get them angry. I think everybody sees them now as vulnerable. So let's take a quick peek ahead. And, again, we'll detail these games in, in much greater detail on Friday. Auburn is at Ole Miss. I don't think anybody right now affiliated with SEC football thinks Auburn can go into Oxford and win that game. And it's not that Ole Miss is great. They're doing what they need to do. I just think Auburn is just such a mess offensively, and Ole Miss has improved defensively. I think Ole Miss wins this game. I think Ole Miss is favored by more than two touchdowns. Now, give Auburn a little credit. You know, they, they put a scare in, uh, in LSU here recently, but now is at home, though, and I don't think LSU is that great. I think Ole Miss is better than both of those teams. Vanderbilt will be at Georgia at Georgia. It's a huge spread for Vandy. They have no chance to win that game. Alabama, of course, at Tennessee. For the first time, it seems like in a decade or more, there is some intrigue when it comes to the third Saturday in October. And that's that stupid tradition that everybody, every sport is impacted by. But that'll be an awfully interesting game. And that's the thing, too. It's like we'll be able to watch that game before we play. Excited about that. Arkansas will be at BYU. Neither team ranked. Both have been ranked. That'll be, I think, an intriguing matchup. I think with K.J. Jefferson back, I think you like Arkansas there. But, uh, again, we'll, we'll do a little more research. LSU is in Florida and, of course, State at Kentucky. We will, we will really break down the Cats on Wednesday and then preview the rest of the schedule. But it should be a good slate of games. I think it's a good day. Like, if you're not going to Lexington, it should be a good day to sit around and watch football. Now, speaking of those that are not going to the game, maybe you want to congregate – with some Bulldog fans and watch the game. Let me encourage you to do that by going to Davis-Wade Stadium. You're like, Steve, really? Yeah. Go to Davis-Wade Stadium because they're going to have a fundraiser. It's the Palmer Home for Children. They call it a tailgate. It's really not a tailgate. 
But it's going to be one of these deals where you go and you watch the game with other Bulldog fans, and then they're there to raise money for Palmer Home. Be sure and go check them out. You'll be glad you did. Uh, Palmer Home, I'm happy to do that. We're doing this spot for free because, number one, I believe in what Palmer Home is doing, Palmer Home for Children. And you can visit them at palmerhome.org. Palmerhome.org. And uh, we're going to advertise this throughout the week. And uh, we'll have more details for you on Wednesday. But uh, there will be a tailgate in the Gridiron Club, I guess is what we're going to call it. They, they call it a tailgate. It's really not. It is, it is indoors. So if you're in the area and you'd like to go to a watch party that's going to benefit children, this is the move. And, again, go to palmerhome.org to get more information about that fine organization. And we'll be back with you on Wednesday, and we'll uh, give you a few, few more details about that. So, again, if you're not making the trip to Lexington, you can still get together and enjoy that wonderful ball game with other Bulldog fans. All right, final segment of the show brought to you, brought to you by Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. I like how close it is to campus. I like how convenient it is because I'm a traveler. I'm always on the move, it seems. And uh, to have easy access to 12, 25, 82, it's perfect. Just jump right on out there. It's very easy to get to. You turn off 82 on a 12, like going to campus. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. You've seen it before and you wonder where it went. You go through that four-way stop, there's Portico on your right. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. And you can even get a custom build, too, like maybe if you need a home office or a home theater, whatever. You contact them, and they can kind of build to your specifications. Pretty cool. So you can be able to do that, right? And maybe it's your ballgame weekend retreat. Maybe it's your permanent residence. Maybe it's your retirement home. They've got a plan for you. Reach out to our friend Brooks Bryan. His phone number is 601-416-8075. He can get you more information. And if you're, if you're thinking about moving up here and your, resi- your real estate agent hasn't mentioned Portico, you need to ask him why. It's perfect. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. You can run to campus if you want to. And the cool thing is, too, is like maybe, you know, maybe you're getting up in age. You're thinking, you know what, I just, you know, it's, it's difficult for me to get back and forth to ball games. Well, why don't you move up here and go to all the games? Then you, you can be home in like two minutes. What could be more convenient? Again, if I was moving to Starkville now, it's where I would move. And again, let Brooks know what's going on with you. He's happy to help you. All right, Bulldog fans, make Portico your next move. I want to credit our Bulldog fans uh, that turned out. We didn't have a capacity crowd. Uh, we did sell a lot of tickets, but uh, there were some patches you know, in, in the uh, in the upper areas i thought the lower bowl was uh, was really full a couple little spots over on the west side there but uh those that attended the game were very much into the game and i think gave state a very good home field advantage i can only begin to imagine there's some people of course that stayed in the junction you know to each their own but i begin to just imagine what that home field advantage will be like when let's say we play georgia here should be a big game should be a near-capacity crowd, if not a capacity crowd. Your cowbell could be the difference. So I encourage you to come out. And, again, for those that showed up, and, again, it was, you know, again, it was an amazing atmosphere. And a lot of people from SEC Nation talked about it. They talked about it on the broadcast. And I thought our fans were very much plugged into the game. Uh, and, again, once the game kind of got out of hand, I think some people decided to go to their tailgates and watch some other games or whatever and 
and, or maybe make the, the trip home. But uh, it was a good turnout and, again, a great atmosphere. And, I, and that's such a huge part of the recruiting aspect of things is that when players are here, they know that Bulldog fans are engaged in the game and supporting the Bulldog fans. So we had some big recruits here. We had a couple of official visitors. Of course, Seth Davis uh, committed to Mississippi State for a long time, took his official visit here. Uh, Creed uh, Whitmore is another guy that's currently from Gainesville, Florida, committed to the University of Florida. He took an official visit here. Isaac Smith, one of my favorite players in this class. You've heard me talk about him many times on this show. I believe he is a future NFL guy. He has now been to Mississippi State three consecutive weekends. Every game of the homestand, Isaac Smith was here. Now, I believe I was the first person to kind of put the will on this bandwagon and said, you know what, State's in good shape. I put a crystal ball pick in for him. I believe he is going to pick Mississippi State and ultimately sign with Mississippi State. And now he's been here three consecutive weekends. Spent a lot of time on our campus this year. Came for the 7-on-7, seven seven, came back for the SummerSlam. I believe he's been to four games now. I believe that's correct, but I know he's been to the last three. This guy is a difference maker. And when you begin to look at this defense and the fact that we have several safeties that will be moving on, there's an opportunity for him to come in and play as a freshman. And, of course, I'm sure that is something the Mississippi State coaching staff is sharing with him on a regular basis. So I like where we stand. In fact, I feel better today than I have at any point in his recruitment about Mississippi State getting him. Now, if you have followed my coverage of recruiting over at jeanspage.com this year, I said from the very beginning that he was going to Ole Miss because my sources up there in Fulton, up in Itawamba County, said, hey, Steve, you know, his dad went to Ole Miss, got a lot of Ole Miss people around him. You know, he's been in some Ole Miss games. He's a guy that, you know, probably going to go to Ole Miss. And I don't know what changed with him. I don't know if Ole Miss's evaluation doesn't match ours or match mine or match Georgia's or A&M. But either way, he and Ole Miss not having much of a relationship. And that, that's not necessarily anybody's fault. I think the guy can really play. I think Ole Miss is missing a boat here. But, again, they may have different needs. I don't know. But I know this, that things have changed in his recruitment. And at Mississippi State appears to be the in-state destination should he choose to stay in-state. Now, he is a guy that's going to take his visits. He's already been to Vanderbilt. There's talk about him visiting Georgia. There's talk about him visiting Texas A&M. And so we talk about him taking an official visit to Mississippi State. I think in the end, the chances of him staying home are very, very good. At this point, I expect Mississippi State to get him. Now, LSU has recently offered, so that's something else to consider, right? LSU is LSU. And then watching LSU get beat 40-13 to 13 on Saturday probably doesn't hurt the cause, right? But the reality is, is young people see opportunity. They say, you know what, I'm better than these guys. I can get on the field next year. I think the chances of him getting on the field at Mississippi State are much better than they are at LSU, at least early in his career. I mean, is he good enough to play at LSU? He absolutely is. Is he good enough to play at Georgia? He absolutely is. Is he good enough to play at Alabama? He absolutely is. He's certainly good enough to play at Mississippi State. I think he'd be a real difference maker and be a fan favorite here. And so he was here again. And so I think it's important to kind of understand that. Now, Dante Dowdell running back from Picayune, there was talk that he may make the trip. He did not make it on this Saturday. There is talk that he will make a later game once State comes back. We've got a two-game road trip here as we go to Kentucky and Alabama. But there is discussion that he will be back. Now, a lot of chatter that he's going to back off that Oregon commitment. And we, and we see that regularly where Oregon gets a Southern kid early and then he reality kind of sets in. It's easy to be committed to Oregon in, say, March. 
And all of a sudden, you start thinking, oh, wait a minute, I'm an early grad. I'm going to be leaving for Oregon in January. Be leaving all my friends. And so it's a different situation, right? And so I think ultimately he will elect to stay closer to home. Ole Miss very much in with him. Ole Miss thought they had him when he picked Oregon. They have not stopped recruiting him. Mississippi State's yet to offer him, which is kind of a head-scratcher for me. I don't know why we didn't offer him early on. And one of the reasons that I say that, when you have a four-star athlete in your state, even if you're not exactly sure what he's going to play position-wise, was he a running back, was he a linebacker, what is he? You take him and you figure it out. When you've got a guy that's got that kind of ability, and I understand in some circumstances you might say, well, I want to get him in camp. When you've got a guy like that that's already got you know a couple dozen offers, that kid's not coming to camp. It's kind of like the whole John Hevesy thing. Like, well, I'm going to go recruit these kids. I want them to come to camp and see how well they take coaching. Well, when they've got offers from Alabama, Tennessee, and LSU, they're not going to go camp Mississippi State to go try to earn an offer when, in their minds, they feel they've got better options already. So that's something we're kind of working through. Can State get in there and really make things interesting? There was some discussion back in the spring. If State had offered, he would have committed to Mississippi State. Well, now we're kind of trying to mend the fence a little bit, and we'll see what happens. But uh, the reality of it is – is I think State should have already offered him, and perhaps we will late. Uh, you certainly don't want to lose a guy of that caliber by default to Ole Miss. But Dante Daldell is a big-time player from Picayune High School. And listen, I know a lot of Picayune running backs have set up some amazing high school careers and not translated well to the college level. I think Daldell is much different. That guy can really, really play. That's your recruiting update for today. All right, let's get out of here. If you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. You get all my sports books there, Dogpile, Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains. Stark Villains, I know Miss Carolyn at Book Martin Cafe, I think is in the single digits now, and I believe there's only one case left in the warehouse. And so if you want a copy of Stark Villains, you need to order it now. Alpha Dogs, there's probably twice as many of those. And, again, those are not going to go back into print for probably a year or more. We'll do a short run probably in 2024. And so if you're looking to complete your collection, you need to go ahead and make a move there. I hadn't talked about that in a while but because I, I hadn't thought about it. I've been so busy doing a rock show, right? And you go back and you look, and I talked to Carolyn yesterday. It's like, how are you on Stark Villains? We go to the warehouse and look. They don't have many left. And, uh, so of course, our warehouse doesn't either. So be sure and, uh, and check in on them. But uh, dogpilethebook.com, you get them all signed. And then if you're looking for Bloomsville Leander, you can find it at Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, booksandmegan.com. And Stark Villain Gear, always available at StarkVillains.com. I actually went by there and met with them on Friday before I went to New Orleans and uh, picked up some shirts uh, to give some people, some friends of mine in the music industry that, that say they're going to wear them on stage. And hopefully we'll get some pictures of that. So how cool would that be? That'd be nice marketing, right? Have a rock star out there wearing our shirt on stage. That'd be cool. That's nice. And we're going to have some other rock shows coming up, too. I'm working on some things. I'm just kind of recalibrating right now because, you know, now we're in the second half football season, so I don't have as much time to commit to that. And uh, looking forward to that. And thanks again for everybody that came out and supported Rock Vegas. Uh, we got some other cool stuff coming. I've had so many people. I went to dinner last night and I had some, some guys came up and, and talked about Rock Vegas. They were unable to attend, but they were so appreciative that we had this great music event here in Starkville and encouraged me to do more of them because they want Starkville to become more of a music town. And so there are a lot of people around hiring live music, and we absolutely support that. Uh, but we want to bring some, some pretty, pretty cool acts to Starkville and do some cool things here. I want you guys to come, especially like if we can do a big show like the Friday of a ball game weekend, you're looking for something to do Friday night. If we can give you a killer show, 
and you get up and have a great game on Saturday, it makes for a pretty special weekend. And so we want to do that and, of course, raise some money for the initiative. But not every show will be for the Bulldog Initiative. Some of these will be able to help, uh, you know, venues and, and rock bands and things like that. So there will be some for-profit stuff, too. So I won't be out here begging you guys to buy tickets to donate or anything. But uh, when we do shows for the initiative, we're raising money for the initiative. All right, that's it for today. Be back with you guys on Wednesday. Look forward to that. A little bit later, I'll be uh, with Mike Leach. We'll be doing the pre-Kentucky presser. Look forward to that. And then we'll have uh, media opportunities Tuesday and Wednesday with coaches and players. And we'll talk about that on Wednesday's show. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.